Come on, come all, come gather round. Come hear tales both lost and found. Grab yourself a drink with a splash of lime. It's David and Michael's story time. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the 100th episode of Story Time. Holy shit. Today, you're two, and I feel confident in saying it, today's authors are me, Michael Santel, <laughs> and me, David Miller. That's right, we wrote our own stories, and we are afraid to tell them. <laughs> Listen, we, we have a lot of apprehension about this, but this is where all of this is building towards. Now, we're not going to get in the weeds here if you go and count the episodes. We don't know right. specifically We're pretty what sure we're this at. is 100, but it depends on if you count shorties as full episodes or like as half episodes. It, really, Plus, it doesn't matter. I can also remember a handful of episodes that we lost. So, yeah. <laughs> this is, we are claiming today is the 100 episode officially and, and in celebration of that on last week's episode we challenged each other uh both with titles of stories that have never been written before yep that let's be honest we sort of we get we we we, we lob softballs at each other we sure. gave each I other mean, it's our genres that we knew we'd be good we, at well we bring in stories typically that are of a particular genre and and i've been kind of switching around but i have fairly similar types and you've been bringing fairy tales and folk tales in since the dawn of time so, like, it, it feels very natural that we'd give each other a story in the vein that we'd be bringing. Like, it'd be really kind of shitty if I was like, hey, here's a hard-hitting, gritty crime story for you to write. Like, you know? Well, <laughs> Although listen, I'd love to see it. Maybe someday we'll maybe we'll switch it someday because I, I, I'm pretty sure I can write a fairy tale. I was going to say, I would love to hear what your fairy tale would be like. I will tell you, I mean, I don't uh, know it, if we... It would we... be fucking... Yeah, I, I would go nuts. I don't know if we could get into it now because I do. I really want to hear your story. But yeah. on another episode, I'd love to hear about your writing process. I'd love oh, to man. know about you wrecking your brain. I did a lot of pacing this morning, so I uh -huh. feel like I'm I'm in writer mode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I spent a lot of time like – what I found was after I, I had like kind of outlined the general points of it to myself and then was like, okay, I'm going to write it. And I told you this yesterday. I almost did the bit of writing a full story out and then telling it to you in bullet point form like I do with many stories. I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to read the story. But I thought about it. Um, but when I sat down to write it, like I literally was like, okay, well, I have no idea where to start. And so I just had to like sit there and I procrastinated doing a bunch of other little things around me, peeling the stickers off my new laptop and like doing all this little shit while I just kind of let the wheels spin and spin and spin until finally I was like, okay, I think I'm going to start it here. And then I just kind of went from there. I very quickly knew what the premise of my story was and then – took forever to feel like how I how we were going to get into it. I knew the mm -hmm. beats I wanted to hit, and it mm -hmm. wasn't until I sat down and wrote it that I was like, oh, okay, this is working. This is working, but it took that long. <laughs> yeah. So we flipped a coin. David lost, which means <laughs> David is going first. <laughs> so David, well, I, 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 It's funny to me that you set up that because that is a lie. We did not flip a coin. <laughs> oh, I flipped. We just a coin. decided that I was going to do mine first. But I like the idea that we flipped a coin. Listen, and you know what? I, I that's flipped canon. A, I flipped a blank coin and said, "Up, oh, David lost." <laughs> yeah. So no, and that's canon now. We, we flipped a coin. Look it up, uh, David. It's on, it's on the Wikipedia. Yeah. What is the name of the story? I well, challenged you to write. Right. So you gave me the title, "Dust and Blood on the Rusty Blades." And for the record, when you first said it to me, I thought you said Dustin Blood. On <laughs> Dustin's Blood? Like some character Dustin named Blood. Dustin? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So, so 
in in uh, homage to that fact that I was confused at first, the main character of the story is named Dustin. That's a great. I really like that a lot. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, do you have predictions? Oh, I ap- let's absolutely go to predictions. Okay. So I feel like I'm projecting a lot on you because I already have like something in mind. Okay. Okay. But yeah. you did tell me that this is a Western. So I, I do. I do know like that. So my predictions for you are, I think there is a robot in this Western. What? Okay. That has blades, like some sort of oh, bladed weapon. Uh-huh. Sure, sure, sure. I think our hero or anti-hero, depending okay. on how you wrote him, sure. gets stranded somewhere. All right. And if the robot prediction is wrong... <laughs> I think that there'll be some sort of industrial accident that our characters inhabit or have to get their way out of. Okay. Also, it's a Western, so of course, there's a dual scene. Great. Okay. Those are my predictions. (laughs) Okay. Cool. Uh, Some are close. There is not a robot. Uh, Oh, man. I thought for sure there was going to be a robot. robot into the Western story that I'm doing. Oh, okay. It's You're not old. a modern day Western, if that's if that's a, any indication, right? Ooh, good, it's, good, good shit okay. to know. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I needed to say, but I don't really think so. Great, then uh, let's just get to it. So here we go. <clears throat> Dust and Blood on the Rusty Blades by, by David, David Miller. Miller. <laughs> <laughs> Courtesy of Storytime. Here you're looking for work. Dustin looked up from his plate of beans to see a tall, wiry man standing over him. He couldn't quite place it, but he noticed an intensity to his stare as though the man were eager to say his next piece. Dustin nodded as he finished chewing the bite he had just taken. I'd say so, though finding it does seem a mite more difficult than I reckoned. Would have thought there'd be more need for an able body and a good horse. He eyed the man sharply. Why, you got work needs doing? The man sat at the table across from Dustin, leaning in to speak just above a whisper. Sure do. If getting richer than Satan himself were work you could do. You ever hear of the Confederate treasury? Is this a Satan story? Is no. Satan going to pop up in this story at some no, point? People, no, just people in the West sometimes talk about fucking Satan. So. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Confederate? That war's been done, been done and over going on 20 years. Ain't no Confederate anything anymore. So the year is 1895? It's like 1880s, 1890? Yeah, 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 yeah okay. Yeah. It's been 20 years of that bloody war on war conflict with the brothers. You like, you like how I pepper in some setting for you there? I love how you did that, David. That's real good. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, ain't no Confederate anything anymore. Of course there ain't. But you ever wonder where their money went? They got whole armies and governments, and they was paying for them guns and bullets with something. And I'm the only fella knows where that something ended up. The man put out his hand with a wry smile. Name's Jess. Dustin shook his hand hesitantly. So how'd you come to have such knowledge then, and haven't gone already to claim the fortune for yourself? A few months back, ended up riding for a time with an old soldier. One of them cavalry boys went by the name of Birch. Now I don't know much about him, except he had the tuberculosis and was trying to get out this way as fast as he could. Weren't fast enough in the end, though, and I watched as he sputtered his last about two weeks' ride east from here. But before he died, he told me his reason for heading this way in the first place. Jess looked around wildly at the restaurant, and seeing that not a soul was paying any mind to his business, continued excitedly. 
Now, Bert said he was in the unit what guarded the money whenever the army had to pay in bulk, sometimes taking whole wagons of riches all across Dixie. But come near the end of the war, things weren't looking too good for the boys in gray, so this one fellow by the name of Joseph Calhoun, supposedly he lights out one night with a few horses and the whole shipment of cash. Not, not but a few days' ride out in the valley, just west of here. Thing is, though, not one soul ever heard from Calhoun ever again. And you know they would have looked high and low for that money. Army can't let something like that go for nothing. But he nor the money ever showed, and old Birch died chasing the idea that maybe that money were still out west, just waiting for someone with the proper initiative to claim it. Now, David, I'm going to say, Jess yeah. sounds like a bad guy, and I can okay. say that because of the tone of your voice. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a rough, grizzled man. <laughs> Listen, he, he was also a Confederate, and I don't know where you stand on he, that. He rode for a time with a former Confederate. Uh, I don't actually know. I don't like his, I don't like his bedfellows. Okay, let's, let's see what, what Dustin responds to this with. Well, And that's where we come in. Me with my initiative and you with your horse. Mine is old, see, can barely carry me along. I seen yours tied up outside and know that he wouldn't have no problem with a bit of cargo. And I'd be happy to cut you in, say, uh, 25%? Dustin knew better than to gamble on fantastic stories of buried treasure, but he had been telling the truth when he said work had been hard to come by. He had decided to head out from town tomorrow anyway, since being here the better part of a week had still yielded not one job that paid more than a meal at the end of it. As he scraped the last of that pitiful meal into his mouth, he let himself entertain the thought of having actual money, enough to buy beef fresh and wash it down with one of the fine whiskeys from the top shelf. This was how he found himself nodding and agreeing to ride out with Jess in the morning in search of twenty-year-old treasure. It was most of the day's ride to reach the entrance to the valley, more or less a canyon seeming to head downward into the earth as it did deep into unsettled territory. Dustin had heard stories of the valley, standard cautionary tales of harsh nature. It was cursed, home to violent natives, a haven for bandits. He didn't put much stock in most of it. There hadn't been any clashes with the indigenous people around here in quite some time, and he was smarter than to let some vague curse give him pause. Uh, you could tell that this story was written in 2020 because he, I went, am he said not making Dutch, the Native Americans in... the enemy. <laughs> I will not do it. I very specifically was like, well, uh, okay, it's well, going to be a danger they think of, but it's not going to actually be... The problem. <laughs> listen, I, I listen. I appreciate it. I mean, Tar- Tarantino disagrees with you, but I mean that's just a difference in our in your writing look, style. Look, I just I just chose. I made a choice. Uh, bandits and thieves, of course, were always a danger. But at least with Jess, he had some company. Should the need for violence arise, Jess himself was in high spirits as the pair crossed into the valley. It seemed that without the danger of probing eyes and listening ears, he had dropped much of the intensity that so characterized him before. Dustin even heard him singing to himself, and though he couldn't make out the words, he was glad for it. The duo set up camp under an outcropping in the canyon walls about 30 yards from a small stream cutting its way through, slowly traveling the same direction as the two treasure seekers. After a quick meal of jerky and day-old cornbread, they settled into sleep as Dustin heard Jess muttering to himself, Not long now. Gonna be mine. And serves him right. Serves him right. As they I think he was a confederate. I feel like he, <laughs> he's like a secret confederate. He like worked from them behind the lines. Who is he going to teach a lesson to? Who is he muttering about? Great question. Uh, I'm glad that you, as the audience, am asking that question because here is my next sentence. As they saddled up in the morning, Dustin couldn't help himself and asked, Say, who were you talking about last night when you said serves him right? Jess stiffened quickly as he forced a laugh. Ha! I was just thinking of the other boys when I was a kid and how they would look down on me for being the poorest and how I wish they could see me once I get a hold of that treasure, that's all. Oh, Dustin can absolutely, he, he understands those motives. He would also <laughs> would like some, some money for top shelf beef and whiskey. 
He seemed nervous as he spoke, following quickly with, We should get a move on. Birch said it was going to be at least a few days into the valley, most like. And with that, he mounted his horse and started trotting along the stream. Dustin shrugged and lifted himself onto his horse, giving it a gentle kick to follow behind. They rode in silence for most of the day, save for sporadic com uh, commands to the horses. As the sun began to set low in the evening sky, Jess turned around to suggest that they stop for the night, but before he spoke, his eyes went wide as they looked past Dustin. Those sons of bitches, he exclaimed, and Dustin turned around to see, the, uh, to see down the long stretch of canyon, not just a few miles behind them in what looked like a small campfire, a thin plume of smoke just visible against the orange and pink sky of coming twilight. Does somebody else know about the treasures, these sons of bitches? <laughs> Friends of yours? asked Dustin, his anxiety growing as he realized this may not be so simple a trip after all. Hardly. There's a couple of bastards that heard about the treasure, and they know I know the way. Been following me for a spell, but I thought I shook them by the time I got into town a few days back. Have it in their heads to follow me and jump us once the job is done, no doubt. Bunch of cowards. Knowing them, they'll wait until the middle of the night and try to kill us in our sleep. I say we wait up this ridgeways and get the jump on them as they come up the trail. I ain't looking for trouble. Whatever this problem is between you, I don't want to kill no one. Coward or not. Of course, of course, no trouble. We'll just relieve them of their weapons and send them back the way they came, is all. I ain't never been the killing type. You can trust that. That's murder talk. That's all <laughs> murder talk. That's exactly what you say to people right before you murder. go to a murder scenario. <laughs> we'll just make them leave empty-handed, and it'll serve them right. Yeah, their hands will be empty because there's no souls left in them, David. They're dead. <laughs> they led the horses up a ways over the ridge and tied them to a small tree just off the natural pathway through the pass. Jess looked ahead and pointed to a ridge a few hundred yards up that seemed to jut out, uh, jut up out of a dead end in the canyon ahead, with a fairly steep but clear pathway up and over. You see that little stair there? Birch said something about that, said they had followed Calhoun until a dead end and had to turn round on account of a storm blowing through. I figured that he would have, uh, figured that he would have too much of a lead on him at that point. I reckon it wasn't, it isn't far over that ridge, we'll find that stash. The men crept back the way they came, each hiding amongst the rocks on either side of the canyon, and waited as the night grew darker and darker, save for the faint moonlight as the few clouds that were, uh, the few clouds there were, were not thick enough to shroud it completely. After what seemed like hours waiting cramped behind, a, uh, cramped against the rock, they started to hear the slow clip-clop of hooves coming back from the direction they had seen the smoke. Soon, Dustin peered over the rock and saw two men on horses making their way up the trail towards their makeshift ambush point. He looked across to Jess who had his gun out and was crouched like a cat waiting to pounce. Dustin pulled out his old cattleman's revolver, keeping in mind that it was just for show. No one needed to die here in this lonely canyon, and certainly not by his hand. Jess shifted his weight to steady himself as he crouched, but in doing so, disturbed a few loose rocks under his feet, sending them rolling down the ridge and kicking up a small dust cloud in the process. The men on horseback immediately pulled out guns and swung their horses around to face the source of the disturbance. After a moment, one of them let out in a loud voice, Jess Collins, we know you're out here. We're going to bring you in for the murder of William Birch, and there ain't any law says we need to bring you in alive. I told Hold you he was a murderer. Right this is murder talk, David. This is what murderers do. They don't let you know they're a murderer. The murder just sort of springs up on you like an oil well. Show yourself, and you might just live to see the inside of a courtroom. Dustin's eyes swung fiercely at Jess, who again had the look of intensity he had noticed that first night he met, and in that moment he saw the intent behind Jess's wild eyes. 
Wait! He yelled, and the men on horseback swiveled to face his hiding spot. Jess jumped out and brought his pistol to bear, firing off two quick shots, the second of which was responded out, responded to by a shout of pain and a return volley into the shadows. Dustin watched the chaos unfold in front of him as Jess fired another shot at the remaining man, instead striking the horse square in the side of the head and sending it wrenching over, the man screaming as his horse fell on top of him, his gun clattering out of his hand among the rocks a few feet away. They killed the horse! We never hear about a horse murder! You think I'm gonna write a western story where a horse <laughs> doesn't fucking die? Man? <laughs> you think about it! Your, hate, your actual real-life hatred of horses comes out in your work of fiction! What have I done? Man, write what you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> The man continued grunting and moaning in pain as he tried to free himself from underneath the dead beast, but to no avail. Jess laughed one loud, hard laugh and walked over to him, stepping over the body of the other man that had fallen off his horse after being struck clean through the heart. The man under the horse lay gasping as Jess looked down at him, and Dustin could just make out him saying, Damn murderer, before one last shot rang out from Jess's hand and the man went silent. Dustin emerged from behind the rock and walked slowly towards Jess and the bodies. As he passed the first, he looked down and saw the unmistakable outline of a star on his shirt. Jess, you said these men were bastards and thieves. You said there wouldn't be any violence. Jess kept looking at the man, crushed under the horse with a hole for her face, and said in a low voice, They was gonna stop me. Stop us from getting the treasure. Serves them right. They said you murdered that man, the cavalry soldier. You said he died of tuberculosis, but that's a lie, ain't it? He told you about the treasure and you killed him for his trust, didn't you? He had never been a violent man, and had never meant to use it against another one, so Dustin did not think to keep his gun trained on the man who now proved to be so dangerous. In a flash, Jess held his gun, had his gun aimed right at Dustin, and for a moment neither moved. The world held its breath in that instant, only to be broken by Jess's harsh voice. Well, shit if this ain't your lucky day. I suppose here as good a place as any. A shot rang out, and Dustin felt the impact in his chest before he saw the blast from Jess's hand. His breath left him as he was knocked flat onto the ground, spinning to land face down in the sand before blackness took him. He's dead! Jess. He shot him! He shot him! He shot his companion! Jess sighed and holstered his gun. I only really needed you for your horse and to help with these two, and damn if you didn't do exactly that. He began to walk back up the trail toward the horses, singing again the song of unknown words. He led the horses up the steps, cursing to himself as he realized he'd have to leave them here and carry the treasure back down himself, muttering about how he should have waited to kill Dustin until after he had helped with that. As he crested the top of the ridge, he looked down to see a small ravine with a single tree, up against which sat the remains of a man in gray uniform, a figure of bone and cloth. As he neared the corpse, he noticed that behind the tree, a wooden chest, half protruding from the ground, as though it had somehow sunk through solid earth to rest partially exposed. The sun was rising as he finally finished digging the chest out of the ground and dragged it a few feet in front of the bones. The latch was so rotted and weak, with a swift kick, it lie broken on the ground. Jess slowly lifted the lid to reveal stacks of bills, yellowed and musty, but arranged neatly, filling, the, filling nearly the entire chest. Hold on, there's not like a cave? It's just a, it's just a, it's just a case filled with Confederate money? Isn't that money now ill? Like not? Isn't it void? Maybe I don't know. Maybe you'll have to find out. There's more story to come. Okay, Sorry, okay, it's okay. not in a cave. I no, guess. No, okay. I'm, I just didn't. Know. Just, <laughs> out in the wild, I, animals could get it. I thought we were going to like a, a, a like a like a so, national treasure situation. So my thought here was that like this guy had like gotten it up over this ridge finally, and like but then there was a storm coming, so we got got caught up here in the storm, and it sank in like mud in the storm, which has now since like hardened over. 
and right. he like died of exhaustion or whatever under the tree. I don't and know. the only I, marker, I, yeah. the only marker for this treasure is the dead Confederate soldier that's with yeah. him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, resting on top of the bills was an old saber, like one a cavalryman might brandish during a charge that had clearly seen better days. Old and rusted, Jess knew that this in particular was useless and cast it aside behind him so that he could pull up bundle after bundle of the cash. There had to be hundreds, no thousands of bills in this chest, and none less than fifties, and so he began to holler and yell in his excitement, Serves him right! This here is my treasure, my fortune! So great was his celebration, and so focused on the feel of the money and the sound of his cheers that he did not hear the figure slowly approaching behind him. Dustin! Uh, nor did he hear as the figure picked up an old sword. Only when he felt a sudden pain, looking down and seeing the tip of an old sword sticking uh, sticking out from his chest, did he turn to slowly see Dustin. There's a his... sword through his chest, and he's yeah. looking at the sword like, oh, that's what it is. Yeah, the sword that he had, like, thrown out of the... Thing. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, don't uh, throw swords. To turn slowly to see Dustin, bleeding through his shirt just under his left shoulder, holding the saber through his back. Dustin looked ahead to the bills in Jess's hands and let out a laugh. You fool. All this way in your treasure is nothing but Confederate dollars. Like I said before, ain't no Confederate anything anymore. That's what Those I are- said, David! That's exactly what I said! Those are barely worth the paper they're printed on. Uh, so this is fun. I actually did research because I had an idea about this and then looked it up to see if it was real. They're legit were Confederate dollars that had no backing. And so when the war was ending and it was like, oh, the Confederacy is not going to be a thing, they literally became worth like as low as like five or six cents to the dollar. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 You, could, you, you could wallpaper your house. It'd be a better investment than doing yeah, yeah. something with the money. yeah. 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 Jess looked down and saw, saw now in the morning light the unmistakable writing on the notes, the curses, cursive script spelling Confederate States of America. He looked up at Dustin weakly, and, and the last words he heard were his own. Serves. Serves me right. With one final breath, he slumped over, the sword still neatly in his back. Dustin let out a sigh and winced with pain in his shoulder, rifling through Jess's pockets and finding about $12. Well, he thought to himself, I guess this would be my 25%. At least it should get me a doctor and a plate of beans, and I suppose that'll have to do, as he made his way down the steps and back to the horses. The end. David. <laughs> David, what a great story. Thanks. That's, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of a glorified rough draft, right? Like, there's been almost no editing. Pro- I finished this yesterday, so. Yeah, like, well, that's, but... that's true. That's going to be true of both our stories. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah, uh, let's go to Lessons. Great, let's do it. Lessons. Lessons. Part one. Okay, first and foremost, don't throw a sword away. Just <laughs> You need to keep an eye out on swords at all times. It was if an old sword, rusty sword in a time that had moved past the time of the blade. If there's a sword, you should know where it is. That's true. Um, I think uh, the second lesson is judge a book by its cover. <laughs> he sounded like an old grifter. He sounded yeah. like a bad guy. Turns yeah. out... He was a bad guy. Yeah, and, and it kind of goes to, I think, one of the lessons that I, I didn't, like, I didn't really intend any lessons as I was writing it, right? But, like, yeah. now that I go back through it, it's like, oh, clearly one of my lessons is if it seems like a deal is too good to be true, it definitely is, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, and I also think, and I it literally is, you know what I mean, like, the the outcome of the story Know what the treasure is mm-hmm. because one man's that treasure— That guy murdered like four people <laughs> for a nothing treasure. One man's and treasure is death. another man's trash. And this yeah. is that trash scenario. And our poor <laughs> man, poor Dustin, 
poor Dustin. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just wants he just wants some financial. He just wants some wealth. <laughs> he just wants to feel secure in his life. All he can mm-hmm. afford is a bad plate of beads. He didn't even yeah. have a full plate of beads. Yeah. And I, honestly, and I this is the part I didn't do research on was I have no idea in 1890 how much $12 will get you, like, as far as, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I know I, that I, that's, like, kind of a lot, but it's not, like, a crazy amount. No, so, no, like, I, I, listen, I mean, if we're, if, we're, if we're now talking about your choices, I thought $12 was fine. The doctor's going to be Originally, that part bucks. I did edit. It was 20 and 20 felt like too much. Listen, it's a couple <laughs> bucks for the doctor. He's going to have to buy a new horse or something, you know what I mean? So, like, it makes yeah. sense. I'm happy with that. All right. Okay. <laughs> Great. That was there. It is. That was the story in, inspired by your title. Thank. I'm so excited. Thank you. I. I. I it. It's not what I thought it was going to be. But that being mm-hmm. said, I can see all of your thought processes. Yeah, and I, I wanted to make sure because you. You know, your title was Dustin Blood on the Rusty Blades, and I like one of the first things I decided was like, I'm not fucking bringing the blade into it until like towards the end. Like I don't yeah. want it to be about that. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. This wasn't like a King Arthur's tale with Excalibur. Yeah. 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 It's almost like, because I feel like a lot of Western stories will do that, is they'll like, it'll be, you know, it'll be like, um, you know, the, the 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 broken skull will be like the name of the thing. And it's right. literally like a one paragraph thing where the guy in his travel from here to there saw a skull on the ground. And that's it. Like, and, right. and everything else happens to him. But like, he also saw that, you know, and maybe at the end, he like thinks about the skull again. And it's like, oh, okay. But like, you know, it's a very weirdly, like, they yeah. kind of give you an off symbolism sort of thing. Well, David, it's time for my off symbolism. And I'm it's ready. Time, it's time for me to tell you the fairy tale. You got yeah. the genre right of the fox and the ghost. Oh, yeah. I couldn't remember which title I gave you. <laughs> uh, let's go to predictions. Okay. The fox and the ghost. So, 100%. This is a guaranteed talking animals. The fox talks, right? I am saying it now and yeah, saying it yeah, proud. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I will also – I'll just – I'll confirm the fox yeah. talks. Great. I'm going to guess, though, that the ghost is a human ghost. Okay. Although, like, knowing you, it could very well be, like, a, a bear's ghost, right? Like, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, I didn't say, you know. But I think it's a human ghost. Um, okay. The question is, do I think that the fox and the ghost are going to be friends or adversarial? I'm going to guess enemies. Somehow they, like, have a competition with each other or, like, they're trying to somehow come one up on the other. Uh, and David, sh- it's like you already <laughs> know the story. <laughs> uh, long shot prediction. Um, uh, so, so something turns into something else. So like the fox turns into a human or mm. maybe the ghost turns alive again. Maybe, but like, I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Okay. Uh, great predictions all uh-huh. within the ballpark. I, Your last one... Your last one will quibble on. You'll tell okay. me if if what you th- if if this counts for if what you counts, thought it was. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The Fox and the Ghost by Ye Theodore. No, no, by Michael Sandel. <laughs> okay, I wrote this one. Uh, in a time far from our own, before the beasts have forgotten the common tongue, when magic could still be found in the world, lived a very cunning fox. Okay, so first of all, I love your version of Once Upon a Time. I Thank was thinking you. to myself, if I were to write a fairy tale, how would I say it? And that was very good. I liked it. It also set it up that, hey, guess what? 
animals talk here. Yeah. <laughs> the first shit that happens. Yeah. First sentence. <laughs> the shit in all these fairy tales is all of a sudden just some shit happens and we're supposed to know that. So here you go. Here is the parameters of the world. Just go with it. I love that we're taking the small gripes that we have for these stories and we're literally writing the fixes for them <laughs> yeah, into our yeah. versions. <laughs> all right. He was the most cunning fox in the entire forest and had won the title of most cunning three years in a row from Critter Digest. He had already outwitted the old champion, Gray Gray Squirrel Steve. Speedy Blue Jay, Quick Chipmunk Fred, and Alcoholic Black Bear Simon were no match for his intelligence. Those are just other, those are other people he beat for the contest. Did we get his name yet? We didn't, Uh, right? No, we okay. do not. He's just the fox. So he's just far. the fox. Great. No, that's yeah. that's perfect. Everyone else has a name, but he's just the fox. Yeah. One day, while making his rounds near his den, he saw a recently deceased soldier. From the stab wounds, the man had only been dead a couple of hours with minimal decomposition, but was assuredly dead. The man was laying on his side with his back to the fox, and then the fox came around to the other side, where he saw a weasel preparing to feast on the innards of the man. This was a European long-haired weasel, but this was long before the continent was given the moniker of Europe. So they were mostly known as long, long hair dogs and were very vain (laughs) when it came to dirtying their beautiful coats. (laughs) So weasels have not – we understand what weasels are, but they're not – These are different different than any weasel you know. (laughs) As the weasel prepared to enter the stab wound to to retrieve the delicious innards, he (laughs) – Hold on, let me make this just a little bit bigger. One more time. <laughs> Got to zoom in for your old man eyes. Yeah, yeah, that's that's real. Uh, let me go back, and I'll, I'll say the line again. As the weasel prepared to enter the stab wound to retrieve the delicious innards, he had an insight. He had. He had his sights on one organ in particular, the man's heart. Uh-huh. For any for any meat-eating animal, the most delicious part of any man was, of course, the heart. I mean, we can disagree on that, but I, I see your writer's prejudice coming through. Residing inside of a man's chest cavity, hearts were very hard to come by and would fetch a high price at any five-star eating establishment in the forest. The fox <laughs> had only had man's heart once for his third-year wedding anniversary at a swanky upscale eatery known as the Owl Lodge. As the long, long hair dog severed, uh, surveyed the best way to retrieve his delectable reward, the fox came up with a, pl- with a plan to trick the foresty forest mate so that the heart would be his. Wait, <laughs> said the fox. You can't enter a man's body all willy-nilly. There's snakes inside will get you. Snakes? I don't see any snakes, said the weasel, flipping his hair out of his eyes. Look here, <laughs> said the fox. And he took a stick with a hooked end and plunged it into the man's gaping hole, hooked on the man's intestines, and moved the stick up, up and down, back and forth, and side to side, giving the illusion that the insides of the man was a live pit of snakes. Okay, first of all, I love the direction the story is going because one of my favorite types of fairy tale are the ones where just someone is just... A tad too clever for the stupid other <laughs> yeah. people in the story, right? Uh, yes, so that's absolutely. wonderful. I also have to comment and say that I love your your <laughs> the idea that in fairy tales, really gross, terrible stuff happens and nobody bats an eye. <laughs> this is, is just everyday. Funny. This is everyday life back in, in <laughs> olden times. 
Jesus the talking cat Christ, said the weasel. No man for me today, and thanks to you, Mr. Fox. If I would have entered that abyss, I would have been devoured for sure. He bowed in reverence to the fox, fixed his ponytail, and took off into the forest. With the weasel gone, the fox was easily able to split the man's chest apart with the hooked branch and gobble down the man's heart in three bites. That was some trick you pulled. Who said that, demanded the fox. Oh, no. He looked from side to side and all around but saw nothing. Up here, little fox. And the fox looked up. Hovering in the air was a ghost. Who are you? Asked the fox. (laughs) I am a ghost. My name is Hubert, but everyone called me Hugh. Uh, Back when I was alive, before my heart was in your stomach, I was something of a trickster like yourself. (laughs) I don't mean to brag, said the fox, but I'm sure for a human you are very cunning, but around here you are no match for me. Nice. What, so far, what? I'm two for two on my predictions. There's talking animals, and he's a human ghost. <laughs> well then, said the ghost, shall we have a trick off? Whoever can trick the most people will be crowned the winner. Boom, I will... adversarial, one-upping each other. <laughs> I will consent to that, said the fox, but who will be the adjudicator? From under the ground, the fox could feel the earth shaking. He jumped back, and where he was standing before, a hole opened up. The sound of the dam could be heard all around, and the smell of sulfur filled the air. And oh before them, up from the hole, came the <laughs> devil himself. <laughs> I will be your judge, said the devil, and the winner shall lose their soul. <laughs> the winner? Uh, and the, oh, okay. So I wrote the winner, but I meant the, I meant <laughs> yeah, the loser. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I meant the okay, loser. Yeah. It's a translation error in the, in the fairy tales. To be life. fair though. It, 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 yeah. Yeah. I just fucked up on that, but yeah, it's, fine. Uh, yeah. it's fine. Uh, The fox had never done anything with such high stakes before, but had confidence in his ability that he would win the day. The ghost, who had already ran from God's judgment for the forsaken uh, and had (laughs) forsaken the light of St. Peter's Gate, felt that he had nothing more to lose either. He thought to himself, there is no way that hell could be any worse than being stuck here in Lecoq for eternity. And both agreed. That is a small town in England, David. Did you look that up? I did look that up. <laughs> also, really great throwing shade at, at what is it, Lacot? L A C O C O C K, Lacock. Yeah, oh, Lacock, Lacock. Yeah, yeah. Great throwing shade at Lacock. Yeah, fuck they you, don't. Lecoq. Yeah, fuck you, Lacock. <laughs> Over in the clearing nearby was a farmer who was tilling his soil. Got it. Your first challenge will be to trick him," said the devil. I'll go first, said the ghost, and made his way to the field. Near the farmer was an irrigation dish with wa- with water that would be used for the crops. The ghost swooped into the water, absorbing as much as he could. Then positioning himself over the farmer, he let the water fall. The farmer, thinking that a sudden rainstorm had come upon him, began to gather his materials to leave. I love it. I have tricked him into thinking that the rains have come, and now he is going to leave for the day. Your turn, Mr. Fox. <laughs> The fox surveyed the man and saw around his neck an ornate ring that he wore as a necklace. The farmer grabbed his necklace and said aloud, Strange weather like this can only be a bad omen. I must leave here before I meet a damned fate like my dear brother Ivan. The fox, thinking quickly, went over to the dead body and removed the dead man's right arm. As the farmer gathered his materials to leave that day, the fox saw that on the farmer's path home went right by the gravestone of his dead brother Ivan. (laughs) <laughs> the fox quickly dug into the earth, burying himself with the arm in his mouth, ready to jut out of the ground when the brother went by. When the grieving brother passed by the headstone, he saw the dirt strewn about 
uh, strewn about and begin to clean the dirty gravesite. From under the ground, the fox pushed the severed arm through the dirt with the dead man's arm in his mouth. The fox clenched hard on the nerves of the arm, forcing the hand <laughs> to close tightly around the man's necklace. The fox, being a fox, means that they have the ability to make upwards of 40 distinct noises. And <laughs> the fox... It, you look, did you look this up? And in his best man's voice, <laughs> give me back my ring, brother. The farmer, thinking his brother was returning from the dead, screamed loudly and ran back in terror uh, and... The farmer, thinking his brother was returning from the dead, screamed loudly and ran back home in terror at the thought of his dead brother returning. I have tricked him into thinking his dead brother, Ivan, actually, the devil interrupted. First round goes to the fox. The light bringer then pointed at a church nearby and said, for your next challenge, you will need to trick them. (laughs) The ghosts now realize that he was way over his floating head. This fox, this animal of the forest, was truly the most cunning animal, nay, the most cunning creature he had ever come across. He knew that his ghostly intelligence would not be enough to win the day, but he still loved the challenge. He felt so alive. The fox felt the same way. While the ghost might have lost the first challenge, the fox respected his thought process. The ghost was the first real challenge to his cunning that he had come across in years. What a healthy competition. (laughs) As the ghost made their way to the churchyard, when he reached the fence, he could not enter. An invisible barrier protected the church from his ghostly advances. Try as hard as he might, he could not enter the holy site. The ghost cannot complete the task. Second point to the fox, sneered Beelzebub. <laughs> which means a rigged, but all right. <laughs> which means your soul is mine. That isn't fair, protested the fox. Of course it's not fair. I'm the devil. Did you think I would not reap his soul? Now come along, ghost. Hell awaits you. The devil tapped his cane on the ground and a hole to Hades reopened. The ghost looked at the fox and the fox looked at the ghost, not as enemies, but as respected competitors. <laughs> competition that the fox did not want to end. Uh, not now, not ever. Don't go, said the fox. Stay here with me in the forest. He has no body and his heart has stopped beating, which means he cannot stay here any longer, shouted the devil over the screams of the damned. Now, come hither, ghost. This soulless fox has nothing for you. Thank you, small fox, said the ghost. While my life was short, the happiest part of it was engaging with you. The fox, now realizing what that empty feeling inside him was all these years, now he knew he was soulless, which meant he had room for one. Come to me, ghost. You can stay and enter my body. Your heart resides within me. Your heart will reside within mine. The ghost flew as fast as he could to the fox, and the fox ran to the ghost, and they jumped in the air. The ghost entered through the fox's mouth, and the soul began to bound with the fox's body. How dare you steal a soul from me? (laughs) Flames spouted all around the hellish being. Wings sprouted from his back and horns on his head elongated even further. He rised up and flew directly at the newly formed soul-bonded fox. The fox, (laughs) with all of his quickness, sprang from left to right and back again, dodging all the devilish blows. The devil chased with all of his might, closing in on the fox. He ran with all of his strength, barreling towards 
towards the churchyard, leaping and squeezing through the, the hole in the churchyard fence. The devil swiped at where the fox was, at, but he was repelled by the force field of God that protected <laughs> all holy sites. The devil screamed in agony, being burned by the holy divinity of the site, and returned back to the entrance to hell. You haven't seen the last of me, fox and friends! And the devil sank back into his hole. The fox, knowing his friend was safe within him, had no fear of the devil. For if they could trick him, he knew in his heart of hearts that they could trick anyone. The <laughs> end. That was wonderful. <laughs> David, I hate also, to say did, it. Did you, did you mean to give a like a unofficial plug for Fox and Friends? No, see, Fox and Friends are the devil. See, that's what happened. He couldn't find it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I just thought Fox and Friends was a silly name. No, that's uh, funny. Yeah. I hate to say it, David. I'm pretty sure you guessed all of my bits. I think I did <laughs> pretty much everything on that. Yeah, and also, I could have done... I didn't guess the devil. I should have... No, I should have guessed the devil would show up. That well, was a really... To... When he showed up, that was really fucking funny to me. <laughs> you have to be the adjudicator, David. You have to have an impartial being. Also, I could have done two more examples of more trick challenges. Oh, and sure. I'm like, oh, fuck sure. this. Like, I... You, which, it's funny because you wanted to, like, have them have, a, have an actual trick challenge and then one that just guaranteed the fox wins so that it just moves on to... Yeah, but well, you kind of technically did. The third trick challenge essentially was tricking the devil. That's right, David. Right. That's right. All right, David. Let's okay. go to lessons. Lessons part two. All right. Um, uh, one lesson that I kind of stuck out to me in the beginning is if the devil's like, "Yeah, your soul's gonna be mine," it's okay to just be like, "Ah, what the fuck? That's fine." Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, both the ghost and the fox are like, "I don't know, that's okay." Like, well, the fox, <laughs> the fox knew that he was gonna beat that ghost no matter what. He had won three times already. Well, that's the thing. Is like the threat of having your soul taken to hell was like, "Ah, eh, that's not that scary." Like, and I feel like that's fine. That's a good well, lesson. And the ghost is in other world is a uh, is stuck here on this astral plane, right? He went to heaven and shunned the gates. He yeah, didn't yeah. go towards the light. So, like, he's just in this limbo area yeah. here on Earth. Um, uh, uh, one lesson that I learned definitely is it, whenever possible, eat a heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's some old world knowledge that we don't talk about very much, Listen, but the heart yeah. is the good stuff. Their power be in you. Like, just do it. Just yeah, do it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, if, if you need to get away from... The devil or ghosts. Churches have force fields. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to go to a holy site that uh, that can protect you from it. I had yeah. one version where the ring was the magic ring, but I was like, sure. no, nah, no, nah, I already set up this. We can go back to yeah. this. No, that's fine. That was good. I think a good lesson from the story that I don't think people always think about is like, you got to celebrate your wedding anniversaries. You got to like make those <laughs> moments special. You never know, you know, have a nice evening out with the missus. Like you guys deserve it. You're celebrating get a, your get love. Get a human heart. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just what they had that night, but they could have had any number of delicacies. <laughs> any other any other uh, lessons stand out to you from the Fox and the Ghost? Um, um, <laughs> what's it? Uh, Is it something to do with long, long hair dogs? I was going to say, like, bears are alcoholics, but, like... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Listen, I get... Uh, bears have been known to get drunk because the berries yeah. that they eat ferment, and then they just get, like, yeah. fucking drunk, and, like, a yeah. drunk bear is the worst. <laughs> you funny. don't want to deal with a funny. drunk bear. Yeah. Great. Well, no, you... those, those are it. 
Well, there you go, David. That is the fox and the ghost. I loved it. This was really fun. Um, and this guess what? was wonderfully stressful that I yeah. <laughs> believe we can do again, but I can't do this shit every week. It's way too oh, much. No, it's, no, no. It's, uh, it presses no. too much on my mind. It's like too yeah. much psychic space for me to I deal with. I felt yesterday when it came down to it, like I had it outlined, but I had to, like, I started writing the story yesterday morning. And when I, like, took a break halfway through the day, like, I felt like I couldn't, in good conscience, do anything else until, like, I was done. Uh, you know I woke I mean? up. I woke up this morning bright and early. Felt the same fucking way. I was writing, writing, <laughs> writing, writing, writing. I had breakfast, and then you're like, "Are you ready to record?" I'm like, "No, no, I need just a little bit more time." <laughs> and then I had to walk the dog, and I was like yeah. thinking about it. I'm like, "I'll make some changes." Right, 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 right. Listen, for all it's you fine. writers, it's that- fine that you took that long because literally the changing from twenty dollars to twelve dollars in my story happened like twenty minutes before we started recording. Listen, you don't need to tell them the creative process. Whatever is the <laughs> final product is the final product. Eventually, we'll have to write enough of these so that we can bound a book together. But oh, we'll. We'll cross that bridge uh, another day. Yeah. What were you just about to say? You were about to say something to the, the listeners. <laughs> oh, I was going to say to all the writers out there, oh, I just yeah. want to let you know, uh, I tip my hat. What a what a stupendous job you do in being able to uh, uh, flourish in your mind prisons with all of these things going on. <laughs> I, yeah, was I was inmate- pacing around yesterday complaining to – my girlfriend just like I th- writing is hard. Like <laughs> I was in a mind prison for forty eight hours, and I, I I'm free. I'm like I'm, I'm like Jesse <laughs> from Breaking Bad. I'm just going to the desert. I'm just crying and happy. It's over with. It was nice when I finished it yesterday to be like, okay, like it's done. Right, it's, I'm, I'm done. Well, listen, we'll, I promise we will do this not in another hundred episodes. We'll do it much <laughs> sooner than that. Yeah, but we'll David, try. Congratulations on our anniversary of 100 episodes. If I had a heart to send you, I would send it your way. Here's a heart (laughs) for you, David. Munch it up and get all that man strength inside of you. Your power be in me. Your power be in you. And also, (laughs) thank you, everybody. Uh, Now, this is the first time we've done it. So if you have a title for a story you think we should do, hit us up on Twitter at the Storytime Pod or. Shoot us an email over at thestorytimepod at gmail.com. Yes. Nice. Good. Good, solid, fluid plugs there. Nice. Thanks. I liked it. Thanks. All the top of the dome. I didn't even write that down. The only thing I Man. wrote down over here is uh, David hates horses. We should probably yeah. make that a sting. It uh, only took us 100 episodes to get this polished in our in our endings, and here I am, throwing yeah. a wrench in it again. <laughs> I appreciate your <laughs> wrenches, and I appreciate all of you. Thank you so much for joining us for the 100th episode of Storytime. I'm author Michael Santel. And I am sometimes writer now, David Miller. Uh, thank you so much for being here, and we'll see you all next time. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. That's our show, thanks for coming round. Don't be sad, no need to frown. We'll have more stories, don't throw a fit. Goodbye, one and all, and we'll see you in a bit. That was fun. <laughs>